This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. What time is two minutes after one o'clock? Welcome to the second hour of the Power Zone uh, right here on Power 98.7. Thank you very much for uh, you know hanging out with us this morning, uh, for choosing to start the day with us, this being uh, the second hour of the show. And to everyone uh, that formed part of uh, the open line in the second hour of the show, not taking that for granted at all. Uh, so we really appreciate uh, those engagements. So we're going into our, our political corner uh, this morning. Uh, this is where uh, then uh, we tend to look at developments, uh, you know, taking shape or taking place in uh, the political climate. Uh, I, I know that we've spoken at length about political parties and the likes, and we're still going to talk about uh, these political parties uh, in the lead up to the elections. Uh, but uh, in the spotlight uh, this morning is uh, the new public protector. So South Africa has a, a new public protector in advocate Koleka Kaleka, the youngest to ever do it, uh, where uh, the country's Chapter 9 institution, uh, that particular office uh, is concerned. So uh, she's already assumed office here, uh, solidified uh, by the president, and we saw also uh, members of parliament as well voting, and uh, she got the majority in terms of uh, the nod. Uh, She walks into that particular office into an environment uh, that is not a fairly new environment uh, to her. Uh, She was the, you know, deputy public protector. Uh, She was the acting a public protector. She is now the public protector. So one would expect some sense of continuity when you look at how she got to familiarize herself with that particular office over time, even when she was serving under the former public protector here, this being advocate Busisiwe Mkwebani. I want us to talk about the public protector. What would be your expectations as members of the public where that particular office is concerned? Are you really, really convinced uh, that advocate Kaleka will be coming all the way down to the ground uh, to attend to address matters uh, that speak to you and me, uh, just the layman, uh, those ordinary people on the ground here. Uh, she's starting her tenure. Uh, what would be your card in terms of advising her uh, as to how she should fare in this particular office, uh, something that won't see her uh, compromised and five years later, we'll be talking or looking at her as one that shaped or changed uh, that particular office uh, for uh, the better. I want this to be an open conversation. I'm inviting you at home uh, to really call in here on 0861-987-000. What are you making as well uh, on that suggestion that was made in the first hour of the show uh, through the open line that uh, we need to see uh, these Chapter 9 institutions uh, not in any way, uh, uh, you know, or, or their heads, particularly not appointed uh, by uh, that process of going through a parliament and you see the numbers, the voting process, Process, uh, the suggestions that uh, that particular process uh, doesn't work. But all of these under the spotlight, uh, this being between now and 1.30 uh, with our political analyst, uh, Sisman Mutlung. So you're welcome to really engage with us on 0861-987-000. We're also there uh, by X. Uh, remember uh, that we go by at PowerFM987 at Katlerodi underscore. So let's engage on that particular platform as well uh, this morning. And Good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Good morning and greetings to the listeners also. 
Yeah, no, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time uh, once again uh, this morning uh, as we go into uh, developments uh, within uh, the uh, political uh, space. I mean, uh, this week, earlier this week, it was on Tuesday, in fact, uh, where we saw uh, the public protector uh, just, uh, you know, more or less give her a first public address here uh, since her appointment about uh, two weeks ago. She was in Cape Town addressing uh, the Cape Town Press Club in her first public engagement, and we see her. Uh, just also outlining some of her uh, aspirations, some of uh, her uh, efforts in terms of what she would like uh, to happen in terms of the future of and the, sust- the sustainability of uh, this uh, particular uh, Chapter 9 uh, institution. One would say that also she steps into uh, this particular environment, uh, not new uh, in terms of what, what has been happening uh, there in uh, that particular office. She's gone through uh, these particular ranks, uh, the deputy, uh, the acting and now uh, the uh, public protector uh, herself. Uh, So uh, she is clued up about what needs to happen in uh, that particular office. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, what she understands is the level of uh, pressure or expectation that is on that office Uh. to deliver, particularly for people who are underprivileged or what we could call cases and complaints by uh, poor people, the ordinary people, instead of focusing on the elites. And there is that sentiment or she could be biased in in favor of the executive political leadership. Mm. And I think she has to absolve herself from that. And then she does admit as well that her office is not fully capacitated mm-hmm. the human resources they don't have enough to pursue the cases and maybe when we talk about turnaround times that is something that she will struggle with it is a institution that still needs to to develop and have a proper capacity to fulfill its mandate so i think she's not really oblivious or naive in understanding what she has to do. So she has Mm. to uh, as well be more mature about it and see how she can guide that office to achieve the kind of targets or goals that she has uh, set for herself. Mm. And and also when you look at it, uh, maybe let's go into them uh, just issue by issue here, uh, looking at what you've outlined here and as we get into this conversation, uh, just the issue of uh, these uh, political sentiments uh, in terms of how uh, she came into uh, being and into uh, that particular uh, position. Uh, We saw even during her interviews here, certain assertions made around how she got to move through the ranks of even ending up at the public uh, protector's office, some, something that somewhat uh, then uh, speaks also of her integrity as well, uh, something that she will have to uh, navigate because she walks into uh, this particular office with uh, that dark cloud uh, when you look at it, or if you may, around this particular issue of Palapala. Uh, that would see her also just square off uh, with a certain political parties and interested groups uh, in uh, the courts as her 
first test as the public protector around this particular issue of Palapala. How does she navigate and tend to really in any way move or absorb or remove herself from these sentiments around her links with the ANC and something that many would say that she would find herself really then compromised because when she would then have to rule against the executive here, those that are in power in terms of the root of the party, she will have to look the other way because of how then they tend to also then had to look the other way and vote her into that particular position. I think she has spoken also about the aspects she has had experience in the as a prosecutor mm. and served as a deputy public protector. This has prepared her to be objective, has prepared her to handle your senior cases or cases for for the elites. Mm. And the element of biasness, I think it is something that she does not want to project or she will be biased, but it will be an objective and a professional person. And with regard to the castigations that are towards her, I think for me, what I see her responding to how Advocate Breitenbach had alluded or as a, a really uh, English, yeah, now the allegation, how she alleged that she goes through the ranks through proximity to some man, mm-hmm. you know, as if she was in a romantic relationship with somebody. You see her response, they say, ah, no, gossip, I'm not interested. She says it's unfortunate. I, I, mean... I want to focus on what's important. What's important is that uh, I'm the public protector. And I think that kind of an attitude also says well, everyone has a history, let's say. If, mm. if she can be traced to, uh, say, her roots are in the ANC, that is the background she is, but question going now, is she somebody who stands for the NC? Is it somebody mm. who's blinded by interests of the NC? I think that is not the case. And if you are to look into those, it's mainly then people who want to really put that suspicion, uh, to paint her in that color. But from what I hear and what I I'm expecting in having listened to her, it is somebody who paints the picture of saying the office is more important. Mm. They achieving the objectives of this office is more important than me having to defend myself to justify who I am, where I come from. She says, look at my track record, the kind of professional work that I've done, and maybe judge me on that. And this is not anything that is partisan at all. I think this is why she is pointing our focus to. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, what 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 she would have to do then is to just employ a greater emphasis and just turning a blind eye to some of these things uh, because they tend to then uh, distract her and would uh, serve mm. to uh, more or less limit her in terms of how she moves in this particular space. Uh, because then there are also those aspersions that will be uh, would be casted in terms of how we receive her. Uh, you know, looking at 
uh, some of these things that were said about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so it, it's something that when you look at it, she will have to really spend the spend the greater uh, part of maybe the first year in office uh, trying to assert her uh, independence and trying to push to ensure that all of these things are just hogwash and there's no truth uh, to all of these things. She's saying they're unfortunate. Uh, she seems to really take a, a really subtle approach uh, to not even giving them so much attention uh, because that could be a strategy on its own uh, to say you give them attention in terms of the noises then they tend to follow you and they become your legacy. So uh, I think it's something that she's employing there uh, as well. Uh, but, but how do we ensure that she speaks for uh, the underprivileged? I mean, when you look at uh, her uh, predecessor here uh, or even the one before, uh, and we, we do the whole comparison, you'd hear people saying that uh, uh, advocate Abusiswem uh, Kwebani uh, compared to Tulima Donsela, she was more of the people's person. She would go onto the ground and she would focus more on cases that are not really high profile cases that involve all of these elite beings or people, politicians and the likes. And that's how she got to, you know, chant her legacy in terms of her being in that particular office compared to Tulima Donsela, whom then we saw her tackle a lot of these high profile cases. How does Advocate Koleka Kaleka really balance it? How does she approach it? How does she become the people's public protector in a way that even that gogo in the deep in the rurals can say that she knows that there's a public protector who will come through and investigate a Guiani water project that has seen people not having water for years and would see people really being penalized and remedial actions being passed on here in a way that we would see that office working for the people. How does she, she actually go about it here? Does she go for those kind of cases that would say that we look at the basic human rights and the violations in terms of issues of access to water, electricity and the likes? We've seen her as well raising her hand to say that I've been tasked to investigate maybe probably the hijacked buildings in terms of what we saw come out of the city of Johannesburg. So would you say that these are some of the cases that she would then have to tackle to ensure that she craft her path in a way that she would be categorized as the people's public protector and her legacy would be remembered as one that seemed to see or pushed to see people's issues being elevated more? Yeah, I think her approach is more traditional Mm. or even you could say a, a rational choice, sort of an approach because once you listen to the sort of discussion points that she has put, she is somebody, okay, let me finish on this rational point, mm. is saying, take a case on its merit as it comes. It's mm. not a matter of who it comes from or who it is targeting. Whether it's an issue of the buildings or anything, treat the case on its merit. And we've seen how she also treated the element of Palapala. It seems to be technical in that regard, and this is more of a traditional legal approach where say, let the facts speak, and where mm. don't, don't exceed the bounds of the facts or of the evidence. And now go back to the kind of discussion points that she has put 
recently. She has spoken about the need to, and this has been in a public dialogue in terms mm. of chapter nine institutions being uh, dogs without teeth, so they don't bite. Mm. And she's saying, let us put a law of saying, if you don't heed to the recommendations of a chapter nine or public protector, there has to be a criminal uh, consequences. She doesn't want to say, I'll issue a recommendation if if that institution doesn't respect it, I'll follow up and try to see, or maybe go to the police, open a case. She wants an automatic process where you don't, within a particular time, as if the law has to specify, okay, then we have automatically activated a, an indictment. Mm-hmm. This is something she wants to do to strengthen the institution. And then she has been talking as well about the aspect of having to institute, I think they've already started, but we've spoke about a case management system. We should know what case is active. And I think she also spoke about, spoke about investigators being around 45 cases per person. Mm. Now, we need to know if Mutong has 45 cases, each case, where is it in the process? How far is it to completing what barriers are? So she's trying to build the institution and she uses words like, we want a resilient uh, institution that when I'm not in office, it's not to be personal. Oh, Kalaga mm. is out and then the institution becomes a, a different form or a beast because Mutlong is now in. But let us institutionalize us, lay foundations for the institution to become an ideal entity and vehicle to do what it needs. And she also now started mm-hmm. talking about the element they are funding to say, how do we protect the office for it to have enough money and not be reliant on the mm-hmm. department? So you get a sense, yeah, somebody like I'm from an irrational uh, standpoint is somebody who's looking at what can be done for this office to be more effective, mm. to be more robust. And she doesn't want to seem to be somebody who's in the noise of the political party, mm. to be aligned with some political party. So I think this is something positive. Mm. And if she can win and, and really work well on this part, I think it will be a good legacy for one to live yeah. in terms of delinking uh, that public protector from its reliance on uh, the Department, Department of Justice. Yeah. Because if that minister side decides to give a 50 rand, then it means she can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, because there could be political interest that side in how much she gets allocated. Yeah. So I think that, that that's a good conversation. She yeah. taking force uh, in 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 buffering the the the, the organisation. Yeah, just just a reminder uh, to our listeners at home that our guest uh, this morning is Sisman Mutlaung, who's a, a political sciences lecturer uh, coming through from the Northwest University. He's a, a political analyst as well, uh, helping us uh, look at uh, the, uh, you know, pre-days of the public protector as she goes into this responsibility. And we also look uh, at her first public engagements uh, or her first public engagement uh, there in Cape Town at the Cape 
Cape Town Press Club uh, that uh, took place this past uh, Tuesday. So the lines are open on 0861-987-000. I would like to hear your impressions uh, so far uh, in terms of uh, really how uh, you've experienced her uh, just in her former capacity, uh, in her former role uh, to where she is as we speak uh, right now. And uh, what are you hoping uh, to get uh, from that particular office as uh, we know very well that the world, uh, South Africa, is just too much uh, with us and a lot is happening here. Hence, we need uh, that office uh, daily in our lives and uh, an agile, productive office that will tend to uh, speak uh, for uh, the people. Uh, So, I wanted to go to uh, what you've mentioned, also the issue of uh, the lack of capacity uh, within uh, this uh, office, uh, this Chapter 9 office. And uh, this is just uh, a picture uh, that we're getting from a lot of these institutions uh, that uh, really don't have capacity uh, to carry out uh, their mandate in a more uh, uh, you know agile manner uh, in a in, in a more fast tracked um, prudent manner uh, in a way that they would also instill confidence in these particular offices uh, you see reports just taking uh, some time to really uh, be passed so meaning that the ratio uh, investigation to a case ratio uh, there's no balance there as you've mentioned there that you see an investigator uh, having a lot of these cases uh, that they're dealing with. Uh, So somewhere, somehow uh, there's bound to be uh, some sort of a gap uh, that tends to be created uh, where these particular issues uh, are concerned. How do we address the lack of capacity? Uh, How do we ensure uh, that uh, these particular offices are positioned uh, to really, for us to really get the best out of uh, these offices, that they are optimum in the way that they carry out uh, their responsibilities? Yeah, I think the first point of departure is when you need people, you need money to procure those services, Mm. whether as consultants or as full-time staff. And the discussion about money uh, as she's starting to activate is quite important. Mm. And the other thing, you could have few people to, to do work with you, but the organizational culture is very important. This is something we saw with Advocate uh, Mukabane, that there were reports that she was a bully, if you want to say, uh. and intimidating. The culture of fear was was present, and how she would really hog on certain reports or to keep an eagle eye on certain reports, maybe with an intention to influence how that report would go, it is something we saw even in the, in the in the hearing in Parliament when some of the staff members were reporting that uh, her behaviour really made work uh, really undesirable and uh, uneasy. Yet we seen few moments after uh, Kalega was appointed that there were already reports about staff morale has having increased. And I think in that clip we saw even today how the other colleague uh, uh, who was saying uh, when Advocate Terega has spoken that you are really interrogating us. When you interrogate the report, it's us. She is not saying mm-hmm. you are interrogating Terega. You see that kind of a mood of somebody who who is now really 
standing with the boss and even the body language you see there's some kind of a positive vibe there unlike when you've seen them with advocate Mkabane or Matosela there was some sort of formality with the other two I don't know if it's a matter of age or because of age yet they can they can really vibe well they understand each other but you see that collegiality it looks like it has improved and i think that mood mm. would even inspire people over if you have 45 maybe i don't know i'm just hoping or if you're having 45 cases mm. but because of the work culture and the support in the organization you you find over there's more process now in terms of concluding those things and she spoken i think on another platform where she had said she is looking for an opportunity to bring experienced people who have retired to come mm-hmm. in as mentors especially for these young people and recently they have even onboarded more people so we, we see her, her, her real aspiration being to build capacity, human resource capacity, training, and mentoring. I think those are very important things. If she can get them, if she can add them very well, she will build a, a good institution and with a legacy for maybe those that are, would come after her. If that institution has enough money, it's not only the public protector go to human rights commission, yeah. gender yeah. equality, and all that. They have very few people, you know, Mm. and they don't have enough of human resources to do the education, to do the research functions uh, that are also attached in uh, in public education functions that are attached to the the core responsibilities of these institutions. Uh So that that is a big problem that we have with regard to the capacity and efficiency of the chapter nine institution. That is so unfortunate uh, because it means that we won't in any way get the best out of these institutions and uh, whatever they are presenting, it's it's not fully baked uh, when you look at it. It's something that maybe one would say it could have been better or could have been perfected if there were adequate resources and there was capacity uh, to those chapter nine institutions. I want uh, to bring Jabulani who's calling us uh, from Mamilodi this morning into who also wants to engage with us on uh, this particular issue. Jabu, good morning. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, Gadejo, and your guest. Yeah, man. Uh, are you well? Welcome to the show. No, I'm well, Gadejo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, the issue of the public protector, mm-hmm. you know, is mind-boggling because I think we have a very serious problem with that office. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we need to separate the individual from the office. As long as we don't separate that, we're still mm-hmm. shadowboxing around actually fixing that office. Mm-hmm. Because we always refer uh, the public protector as the public protector rather than, other than an office itself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it happens everywhere. This thing, Katleho. Uh, she came in that office with a very, very unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting from the interviews, you know, it has an unfair advantage over the under, uh, other candidates. Uh, yeah, hence, actually, uh, the process itself, I find, I find it very <coughs> insincere, and I find it very uh, uh, unfair, uh, because 
the president actually is the final, uh, what do you call, arbiter in this thing. Yeah, he is the prerogative of the president. So, what is the use of having uh, of having that process? You know. So, 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 so you would actually then uh, want it to uh, be an independent uh, kind of process uh, that d- does not even then uh, end up in parliament and won't see the president being uh, the one having the final say uh, because at the end of the day, he is one person uh, that would also or can stand uh, some sort of investigations like what we've seen in Palapal. Yes, because, you know, I got exactly my point because, you know, she had enough time to navigate her way through because he had a chance while the uh, the predecessor uh, still was still under investigations and having have to account to the other committee in parliament mm-hmm. you know there was an undue it was an undue influence mm-hmm. you know it's like actually having an electrician mm-hmm. in your house if you have an electrician in your house and then he mess up in your house and then the other electrician comes, he's not going to say good things about that electrician. Mm. You know, he's going to take advantage of what that other electrician was So he can no be good. the number one. <laughs> yeah, he can be the number one, you know. So in other, what I'm gradually trying to highlight here yeah. is that should she dare make recommendations that are against the president, she knows exactly what is going to happen to her. And the biggest problem that we have in this country Hence, we have one of the best constitutions, you know, is implementation. Mm. I was listening to your guest very well on all the things that she has said. Those things are very, very much sugary and colorful, mm. you know. Mm. But then the problem so the is she going part. to implement that? And once you start implementing whatever that she has said, is she going to finish her term? Is it going to sit well with other people? Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Those are questions that we have, and those questions need to be answered. Hey. You know. Yeah, Jabu. Yeah. Uh, no, I hear Thank you. you. Thank you very much, man, for the call. Yes, sure, Jabu calling us there uh, from Mami Lodi. He's making salient points there in especially around how then uh, we ensure the, and assert the independence, uh, especially when you look at uh, these particular institutions and how then uh, really you look at a person that won't find herself one way or another compromised even went on to say that she had undue uh, kind of advantage uh, compared to other candidates uh, going into these particular uh, elections. So, 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 really, this is something that, as a country, we'll need to look at in terms of our, uh, you know, you know, approach to the the elections of uh, these Chapter Nine institution heads, especially at a, an institution as important as the Public Protector's Office. Mm. No, I think what Jabu is talking about is important, but it also raises the question when we say we have a deputy public protector, uh, like Advocate Kalega now is one, I think the first uh, who was deputy to now occupy the office. The other deputies did not become the public protector. Uh. Is it what we want when we say? You shall deputize, and at the end of the seven years, Lorena, you are gone. You're gone. Like so you, there's no point of you gradually moving into that space. What is the succession plan mm. in terms of even institutional memory and and so forth? When mm. if one is a deputy, and despite because that that office, like Advocate Karaka say, this is the terrain or environment you are, you are exposed to. This might be 
politicized. A particular case must be politicized. And then if, like, we see the vulnerability where a parliament can now remove the sitting public protector, you as a deputy now become an acting, then there has to be an appointment of a new one. Do you say every time you're a deputy, yeah. you should step aside because of an aspiration to become the main? So we must make sense of that. We must make sense of that. Otherwise, we know every time we, we shall have new faces as the main protector and, and, and deputy. So I think we, we should be soft, a bit uh, sympathetic to, to that and uh, understanding. Uh. And then the rest of the things is, and I, I, I agree with you more, if we are to say the president uh, in, in this regard is the decision maker and despite the processes the adversary, and it is said, don't choose that person. Mm. He doesn't choose the one who has recommended. What are the reasons? And do those panels or committees that have said and recommended have a leeway to challenge that or, or not? And then if we say this process that exists now should not be followed on, what are we saying? Are we are we calling for, a, a, like, you are hired like a... Somewhere it's a tricky one. It's it's a yeah, tricky one, but be, because like yeah, I, I mean, I was going to say that the argument uh, was made as well uh, when we saw uh, the appointment of the chief justice, where there was a recommendation of Mandy Samaya, but she did mm. not make the cut. Mm. The president decided to go for uh, Raymond Zondo in this particular uh, regard. So it becomes very, very yeah. tricky in terms of how then uh, we tend to see uh, the aspirations and the processes that tend to really push one into that space. And then uh, the arbiter, uh, you know, where then the president will have to to make the final say and where do we then draw the line uh, draw the line between uh, po- politics and uh, the influence on some of these uh, chapter 9 institutions but uh, we, we are out of time I wanted us to uh, just as a parting short uh, do you basically see what she's calling for happening anytime in the near future uh, where she's calling for uh, just uh, the amendment of the uh, public protector act uh, she's talking about this uh, taking shape in the new parliament year is that uh, something that you are seeing uh, being a success she's also uh, here talking about uh, really making the law explicit in giving uh, powers uh, to ensure that her remedial actions here are binding uh, as ruled by the constitutional court so w- what do you make uh, then of what she's calling for and her even uh, pushing to ensure uh, that she, her uh, bindings have t- teeth uh, for people to really be held accountable in this particular regard and would this then bode well with the powers that be like what uh, you know Jabu was alluding here to say that won't she then be uh, causing a friction around some of the office bearers or top people there as she pushes uh, you know her aspirations where her tenure is concerned yeah I think she comes in to stabilize or build foundations for the institution and with this kind of legislative reforms I think uh, give it about a year or two from now, there could be a good direction. And if her proposals are adopted, this will bring some, something good whereby we, we say now the institution has peace. And maybe from there, when she start really working on that office, start working to make valid 
uh, findings. This is why we see progress instead of spending money on something that is really prescriptive and really nothing to enforce it. So I'm hoping that uh, this is something that will come. And if we were to talk about uh, a spirit of activism, maybe this is one side to remain as a legal activist in in really uh, enforcing these institutional uh, foundations and architecture. From there on, it is unlikely when you make a decision mm. in this term because we're going to next year. Will AMC still have the big support <laughs> it has? So, yeah, it's so a tricky one. It would be an opportunity, or as as the parliament <laughs> becomes more plural and the hegemony of the AMC is waning, that that kind of a development will also be a a, a good advantage for chapter nine institutions emboldening them or even if when I let that fear like Jabuacho now this one will never touch anything a negative around Ramaphosa or maybe the sitting president. So when there is that plurality and hegemony is really a uh, majoritarianism is reduced, maybe we'll have a proper and efficient, more efficient institution in the legislature and this may embolden the chapter nine institutions as well. Yeah, no. Uh, let's just wait and see. I mean, all of these can change next year. The elections as well have a bearing. Uh, so uh, one can even say that enjoy the majority while it lasts, uh, because really when you look at it, uh, next year can present a different picture altogether. Uh, it's the politics, right? Uh, the, the politics are just uh, one of those games, uh, but uh, she's the youngest to ever do it. Uh, so we'll see how she navigates her way uh, through the five years of where her tenure is concerned. And thank you very much, sir, uh, for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Tupac. Awesome. Sisman Mutlong coming through as a political analyst from the Northwest University. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.